Okay. Here we are. Oh. Season four, episode 12, the last episode of the season. Last episode. <clears throat> Can everybody hear everything okay? I feel if this if this season was a fight, right? If this season was a fight, I feel like we're we're it's the last round and we are like we're feeling really good about where we are and at the same time we're we've taken some hits and we are making sure that we don't get surprised by anything but we're looking forward to a big win we're up 3-1 we're gonna beat my ass that's right (laughs) (laughs) what you're saying (laughs) alright so uh, yeah and welcome friend of the show Chris Zydek of course for our season finale what's up Chris Zydek our most our most frequent guest am I correct yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, I would. Yeah, I'm yeah, pretty you're sure. The ringer. <laughs> you're the ringer. Yeah, cool. When, uh, when we when we need to just like fucking celebrate this podcast, Chris is the first guy we think of. Yeah, and so we've got um, some hipster beers. Uh, I'm drinking a PBR. You're drinking a Yingling Light Lager, and then this some, is a uh, honky tonk IPA. Honky tonk IPA, West Coast style IPA from the Honky Tonk Brewery, which I think is right here in Nashville. So it's an IPA that's yeah. um, sort of outraged. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an IPA. It's weird because they've got you know I really think they call it West Coast and the reason I got it for the podcast was because it's got this cool design of like a like a Chinese dragon on it holding like a handful of hops, um, which I don't know who designed it, but I like I like this dragon and it reminds me of reminds me of uh, Kung Fu, the foundation of all the martial arts, pretty much. So you were just in New York. And, <laughs> the striking uh, arts. You were telling me that you just went down to uh, Chinatown and did some book shopping. I did. I went to. I went to get some. I went to the best ramen shop in Chinatown, which is kind of weird, right? So it's like in the middle of, on Mott Street, right off of Canal. Yep. There's a place called. I'm not gonna be able to remember the name. I think it starts with an R. But there's this this uh, Japanese ramen place, and I got a great bowl of just basic pork ramen, delicious. But on my way past there, I saw this martial arts supply store. So I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like once I eat this noodle, these noodles, I got to go back here and like look for something to buy. Um, uh, and I ended up buying a book on uh, Northern Mantis Kung Fu. But they had like lots of stuff. They had like. Ninja stars? Stars, yeah. They had stars. They had rubber stars and steel stars. They had, you know, like foam nunchucks and fucking wooden ones. And like they had, uh, they even had like staffs and stuff. They had a lot of weapons, a lot of uh, outfits, you know, like different sort of sashes and like, you know, like the traditional kung fu jacket. And And all you got was a book? All I got was a book. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really big into like, well, like one of the things I've talked about. You before should be dressed about, like a ninja right about now. My, about my like martial arts like sort of interest is that like when I was a kid, my dad had done judo, and and also more importantly, almost he had like a little small library of like books about judo, karate, and other stuff. And like that's kind of one of my things is I really want to have this great, um, great library of combat books. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, and you know that like most of the places there in Chinatown have some sort of a back room where they're doing something else. Maybe, yeah. Did they're you have any small, sense though. of what that what might have been there? Not there, no. It seemed pretty. pretty they seem pretty focused on uh, the path. <laughs> Probably swords because it's illegal, right? You can't carry knives in New York, can you? I don't That's think you can point. do anything in New York. Well, actually, well, it's weird. Like in my time living there, it was like. Yeah, like you. What you, years? 
Uh, well, I lived there two different times. Once was in the mid '90s, and then another uh, time was uh, been two, 2007 to 2011. Okay, yeah. Uh, so sort of just at the um, kind of like midst of Giuliani, yeah, kind of time where things were starting to get cleaned up pretty well in the late '90s, in, in the mid '90s, and then okay. uh, and then later on, and then post 9/11 really would be the next era. Yeah, so it was really yeah. like living in two different places that were the same yeah. place. But it's, you, it's still a, it's still a wild, chaotic place for sure. No, it definitely is. But I mean, it's, it's also just becoming a mall. Like yeah. just a giant mall. Like, Certain areas especially are definitely like, if you don't have the money, you really just got to move through here because there's nothing for you here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I like Queens. That's the, that was, you know, I liked living in Queens. Queens was sort of, I guess for somebody from the South to live in New York, Queens is the most sort of unassuming, just uh regular people doing regular shit that's where you moved the second time uh yeah the second time Um, i lived in queens uh i lived in a a place called sunnyside queens which is technically part of long island city but really long island city proper is the sort of the waterfront there um Mm -hmm. across from the un there on the east river and i so i ended up living there that was the latter time uh was in long island city proper and that whole zone now has become like it was like the most top secret super convenient reasonably priced amazing beautiful spot to be when you were there when i was there but uh, but man like now it is it's like post brooklyn queens became like the place everybody went to right you should have bought a house there i yeah there's a lot of things i could have should have done but you know like when i was there i was i was ladies and gentlemen should have i mean when i I was like when i I was there i was i was i was being a student for fun i I was going to school for fun and Mm. so i was living a student's life sounds good uh in this kind of renaissance period that i had in my mid-30s so i was very much um (laughs) the renaissance it really was it was like how can i just sort of i don't know i just wanted to take my brain to the gym i just wanted to do Mm. something totally being a completely different, uncomfortable, kind of weird situation. Renaissance. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, but so I was, the point is, I didn't have any money. Uh, I lived on, uh, like, my favorite place to eat was uh, this place called Sunny T- Sunnyside Tacos. And it was uh, a Chinese taco place. <laughs> right. So, like, it was, it was literally Chinese Tex-Mex. Yeah, that's awesome. And the point was that they, you could get tacos for a, a dollar that you know you could get two or three you could get two or three tacos and be full mm-hmm. and so between that and then there was also this uh um like a uh colombian chicken type of place chicken rice beans kind of place where you could get <laughs> essentially like a quarter chicken rice and beans for a, like under six dollars and right. it would be enough food to last you a couple meals yeah so between like and then otherwise it was just pizza and hot dogs i was riding my bike everywhere all the time so i was my body was like eating itself because i wasn't even putting enough calories in uh, you know like i was in the best shape of my life and people were like are you okay mm-hmm. you know like because i was so skinny i was so crazy skinny so it was a weird weird time like uh so yeah but yes i should have bought a house but really what i was trying to do was just not die uh, on a daily basis <clears throat> I spoke too soon with that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should have invested yeah. yeah I've only been in New York what's once. wrong with you boy you were you in, New in New York why did you invest yeah. really yeah in 2000 and not in 10 9 2009 okay I think 
Yeah. Wait. Yeah. It's been Nine, a minute ten. since we since we've talked to you about this, but we just mentioned it before we started recording. And um, are you still doing your show in New York? I am. So that'll be the next. You're going to go visit that show. I would assume. Yeah, I'm driving right, cool. up there. In the so truck. this is this is a good transition to talk about that. So if if people haven't heard your recent, you know, talking about the show, catch them up with what's going on. Okay. Nice segue. By the hey, way. Yeah, we've been doing this for a little while. Four seasons. Here, let's all cheers to four seasons. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> that was that was the cheers. mall in Greensboro where I grew up. Four seasons mall. It's very ratchet. <laughs> hey man, uh, look, we you know we're from the same hood yeah yeah you know about four seasons of course i know yeah. about four seasons. i was more of a right. Haynes small guy because i was really winston st- yeah <laughs> but in my earlier years uh kindergarten uh first grade time uh four seasons was the mall of malls yeah man gadzooks mm. got my stickers there i went to bessemer elementary i don't know where that is yeah but. what's off of bessemer I believe you. Yeah, but anyway. <laughs> so, Greensboro yeah. to the big city. Yeah, so I have a show in New York. I got the word today of uh, finally. Oh, wow. Got awesome. the final word today. Great. Yeah, that it's the 15th of May. Mm-hmm. Awesome. In Bushwick, Brooklyn. Thank you. At Third Ethos Gallery. Third Ethos in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yes. Sweet. And so, what what is this like? I don't know. I don't know about this gallery. So, like, tell us about the gallery. I don't know a lot. I've been following them for a couple of months since I got the word that I would be showing there. Yeah, I followed them. They have a whole mix of things going through there. Like, there's like hip hop and metal kind of artists, from what I can tell. And I went recently that this guy had these kind of transparent geometric light boxes that looked really cool right, right in my alley very yeah. like clean and smooth like geometrics mm-hmm. with layers of transparent it's paint or print but they're they're cool they're very dimensional and they just had that show it's kind of very modern looking so they have they cool. kind of run the gamut i don't know how long they've been around or how things sell or whatever but i'm just excited to have a show in new york and get to go up there and hang out with some friends and show my art and now what will your show be because like like when we've had you on before we've talked about mural projects you've done in nashville and street art projects you've done but what will you do like in terms of a gallery project like what's what's the are you going to decorate the actual walls are you going to have pieces and frames like what's the presentation and by Uh, the way i think that's a really interesting question because i think that that's like you know in the realm of street art and mural art and all that like people see these artists and they're trying to they want to understand more about like how does that translate to just mm-hmm. the gallery framework uh and and yeah. and all of that yeah yeah i understand for sure in a perfect world i would do an installation uh uh-huh. definitely mm-hmm. uh i would like to but time and money right right now i can't uh i have to I mean, I'll be working on these pieces until I leave. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so we'll have time to get up there early to paint the gallery itself. Uh-huh. They've had artists do that though, right? And yeah. I, I would but we were like talking to. about just you know, again, for people who might not know, you're talking about going to New York for a couple of weeks, probably, to oh, do a project like that. Probably uh, to paint a gallery. Probably, yeah, I'll be up there probably for a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, just installing the show as it is yeah i'll get there a couple of days early yeah hang with my homie stay with him go to the gallery hang everything and uh brian greif you've had on the show before mm-hmm. um he's kind of managing me right now and that situation so he said that they said that it's usually like you know no longer than a day to hang everything for the mm-hmm. show it's pretty small space mm-hmm. so it shouldn't take too long 
So hang it day before, maybe two days before. Throw out the bat signal. Hope folks come yeah. and uh, party that night. But yeah, it's just a like about between ten and fifteen paintings. I'm not sure oh, yet. Okay, cool. Yeah, varying in size. My biggest one is four by three feet. Smallest one is a foot by a foot, mm-hmm. and they kind of vary from there. On like panel or what do you? Paint? Yeah, okay. I paint on yeah mostly birch. Okay, birch cool. pa- cradled panel. So it's like a canvas you see at the store or on a wall at a hotel, but it's all wood mm-hmm. instead. Yeah, because I, I I use rulers and compasses and i erase a lot mm-hmm. and i press down pretty hard when i'm making my line work like i'm gonna try to do my line work very cleanly and i tend to press down with the like fat of my hand when i'm making circles and things mm-hmm. so i would dent and shred a canvas which i, which I did before <laughs> which was why i quit using them and mm-hmm. i went to wood instead. well but there's also like i mean there's there's a long standing sort of um, argument within itself with respect to visual art about the nature of presented art as um, as an image or an object and the sort of territory that sort of connects those things mm-hmm. um, you know like if you if you look at the abstract expressionists you know the, like they they were uh, many of them I think were consumed with the idea you know you think about like Motherwell or Barnett Newman or people like that um franz klein rothko like they were all looking at um images as being so there's sort of twofold like one is uh and i think that i don't want to draw a conclusion too quickly but basically i i find it interesting that the um sort of argument that the art movements of the mid-century last century were that were having with itself were uh twofold one about sort of image versus sort of an object and then also um especially in the realm of maybe photography too and connected with painting is uh the the notion of sort of subject versus like the totality or the the fullness completeness of a, a of an image and it's not about um the traditional sort of um subject mm-hmm. so i think that in in your work it sort of in my mind sort of speaks to sort of those conditions in the sense that um it's very fixed immovable media that is not just trying to draw your eye to the center of the frame and then create a background or something you know right like like you're sort of handling both of those questions at the same time in your own way yeah i don't it's hard i've always had a hard time describing the stuff that i make not because it's so complex or anything um but i used to be very illustrative with like comic book style illustration and as a high school student i may have said this before in the podcast i don't recall um but the the height of what i thought was like uh artistic perfection were the hyper realists when i was mm-hmm. in high school and i thought that was like, the absolute pinnacle mm-hmm. of like you know of being an artist and being able to render mm-hmm. at that level like technical perfection was the yeah thing. it's yeah. like how the hell can you do that mm-hmm. you know and if you can figure that out and you can execute it to a degree where you can fake me out thinking that it's a photo you know <laughs> yeah. you're a master yeah which that you are yeah but you know i was naive and is like you know this the internet is in its infancy there's no youtube tutorials there's no art blogs 
I don't know what graffiti is yet outside of what I've seen in Baltimore, seeing my uncle up there, which was minimal. You know, my world was hardcore and punk band t-shirts and comic books pretty much is all the stuff that I grew up on that Uh was like alternative art outside of what I was learning about in class. Mm -hmm. College, go to college, same kind of thing. I find more hip hop, independent hip hop, and I find graffiti, street art, that kind of shit in 2003, 2004. And I kind of followed down that path because I was always kind of a hardcore and punk kid being in those bands and going to those shows and stuff. And Mm -hmm. then I found that scene and then that spoke to me. And that was still kind of young, not not young as in the whole scene, but as in the internet and stuff too. It was still not widely, very widely known, I guess, Mm -hmm. about. And I thought that was cool because I was always an artist and, and that seemed like a direction that made most sense to me and then just kind of progressed uh sorry talking about my my work right how i would describe it or something yeah and you were saying it was hard <laughs> to describe and and brian was sort of pointing at the the different layers of what you're doing and it goes beyond design Subject and things and like that yeah exactly right, right no yeah there's no there's no um like identifiable subject to my mm-hmm. work it's just kind of aesthetics and uh me trying to best render the aesthetics Mm -hmm. use quality line work uh good composition uh nice color theory and use those as like a trinity i Mm -hmm. guess to try and make my my pieces uh likable i don't don't, that's not even true Mm -hmm. i don't care if people like it or not Uh i hope they do but I'm just kind of getting stuff out of my system, but like affecting, like when you do, when you put all those things together, it it uh, it it catches people's eye because literally, like that's how that's what composition is about. That's what good color theory is about. I mean, it's designed to be mm-hmm. something that people pay attention to, right? In the way that I shade it too, mm-hmm. it it kind of makes you look at it because mm-hmm. it seems kind of like flat, yeah. but three D. Well, I think it's interesting because I feel like, you know, it's we're, we're living again, like kind of we were watching a video that had something to do with postmodernism earlier. It's a long <laughs> story. The prism it's of a, the PT cruiser. Yeah, it's a long <laughs> story, but it's PT cruisers and postmodernism. Yeah. But um, but I feel like, you know, what like what you're talking about is sort of like nowadays there's lots of art that people make. Uh, where they kind of ignore the technical, like almost just fucking ignore it. Like it doesn't have any, it doesn't matter at all. And some artists in some ways, depending on what like sort of angle they're coming from and, and, and everything else, what medium they're using, what their whole point of view is, blah, blah, blah. Some people I feel like do like really interesting work with that. But a lot of people I see do work where it's like, it's a cool idea it's a neat way of exploring the idea in the visual art context. But at the end of the day, the whole thing falls apart because you didn't take the time to learn to paint well enough to do what you're trying to that do. That doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> it, I see it every day. Um, mm-hmm. I have like, I don't know, about 12 art blogs or websites I go to every morning, uh-huh. my morning ritual to get my coffee, hang with my dog and my cat, uh-huh. get on my laptop and look at these like sites and see what's going on in the art world that I follow. Right. My niche, you know, there's, and there's plenty of things that doesn't matter. Right. You, if you don't know how to paint that, that's probably better. <laughs> you know, uh, and people now too, as I think they kind of always have, at least since the mid seventies, I would say, uh, capitalize on kind of not just pop culture, but, uh, the 
uh, like social commentary from a perspective of mm-hmm. uh, I don't know the counterculture or mm-hmm. something. You know, like you you paint political paintings mm-hmm. that are based in a very small sliver of time, mm-hmm. and I don't think that will last. Yeah. the test of time because it's so specific to a certain thing sure. that happened. Yeah, and it's the same way like like a lot of feature films, you know, like if you're being overtly topical mm-hmm. and bringing in a lot of just current pop culture references or, or whatever, you're just dooming yourself to being not timeless whatsoever. Yeah. I, think, I think that it does well in the moment. Yeah. Things sell. They can, do well. Yeah. You get recognition for it, but I'm this may sound kind of crazy what i always kind of thought about growing up and i still do is i would like my work if possible to survive the test of time sure to get in museums one day to maybe yeah. be in a textbook and to be relevant no matter what time people look at it yeah. because most of my stuff is just geometrics and the application of paint the the rendering nature of it on my precision and things like uh-huh. that it doesn't matter what year it's made mm-hmm. i would like to people focus on you know how it was made yeah you're like hitting you know? on like the elements of the medium itself and it's like as long as there's painting your paintings will be relevant as a result because your paintings are in many ways about painting because Hopefully. they're just about those those elements of what what the actual practice is and i think there there's a there's you know i think about the subject when i think about like 60s folk singers right and i think about dylan and all these other people who did these topical folk songs that were like literally pulling headlines out of the newspaper and writing a song around it yes. mm. and and it's like dylan who we're still talking about now was the one who said, wait a second, wait a second, enough of this. Like I got, I've got classics to write. I'm going to go start doing that. And I'm going to like and Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, was she writing topical songs too? No. Okay. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like she was another one of those, that, like out of that sort of Greenwich village situation oh, yeah. that were I'm, like, I'm just saying transcending like, some people who just people who, I guess she could have written them, but I mean, he was writing them and then said, oh, wait a minute. I see. This is a dead end. Deviated. And lots of other people kept going and we don't know their names now, you know, or you had to really look for for, for their names. But, you know, Dylan, because he realized, like, I want to embrace timeless themes. I want to write timeless songs. And then he went to do that. You know, so it's like, don't write about the Vietnam War, write about war. It's super hard. You know what I mean? War is not going anywhere. It's it's really hard. It's coming back. not, Not to paint those things, though. Yeah. I see them do well. Right. And I, I see the people that buy art are of a mind where that's relevant to them. Uh huh. Yeah. And they will support people that they think are similar minded, uh-huh. maybe. Yeah. And nowadays more you know? than more than music, I feel like visual art in, in this era has has been more overtly willing to be political than than music or anything else has. Oof. Yeah, it's in your face, <laughs> yeah, right? A lot, but to the point where it's almost like a nuisance or a distraction or a uh, a, a, um, a reductive thing. Because, like, whether they realize it or not, just because, like, in the near term, there's people that just want to feel like there's an externalized mouthpiece for whatever it is that they're fucking pissed about mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think that's good on some level, right? You have to have like cultural response to things. But I, just, I think that we're in a different time. Like, I, I wish that we could look at the purism of the punk movement or 
um, you know, Bauhaus or like, I don't know, any number of things that have happened, movements that have happened that I feel like were premised upon something a little bit more thought out. Um, whereas now I feel like people are operating on an imagined kind of uh, sort of baseline uh, sort of like, let's check each other each way, like uh, look left and right. Uh, is this okay? Is that okay? Okay, that's not okay. Then we got to jump all over that because people are are being amplified or uh, sus- sustained or extended through outrage or through taking a position, but not necessarily in ways that are 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 um, cons- in consideration of the entirety of, of a broader historical context. So I don't know if that makes any sense. So I I feel like that that. Um, art in itself now is um if it's operating under that kind of premise uh it's it's actually just kind of pithy to me or uh and and that makes it more temporary um as opposed to sort of being like you know we are for the ages going to denounce something and Mm. and develop this kind of you know okay well you know cubism and brock or like whatever you know so I've, I feel like it's different now. I, I don't know if that's just maybe that's how it felt. I, I feel like the, the maybe that's how it felt for people back then in those in these different times of resistance or whatever you want to call it. But hard I, to know. We weren't there. We didn't see the things that didn't last. Yeah, you see things now that have withstood the test of time and whatever you know. But the artists now, the, it's very very direct messaging. There's no like true symbolism mm. it's there's they're they're painting exactly what they're yelling outside uh-huh. you know and there's <clears> other <throat> artists like mark ryden um and others who are like masters of their craft they're they're rendering their storytelling even their frames they have made for their paintings are just like masterpieces and he can he can hide things in there that tell a story that's relevant to now but wouldn't seem so at just uh, a glance uh-huh. and that's being clever and being intelligent and you're 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 telling the story of things that might piss you off or things that you see or things that you might want to change or things that you see changing or whatever in this through kind of like classical means of you know certain shapes and animals that mean certain things or hiding little scripts in it mm-hmm. or you name it but it's a more intelligent way of telling your story but <laughs> i don't think people now i don't at grant i'm only 34 um are as willing to discuss deeper meanings of things everything like you were saying is very topical it's in your face right now bam you know mm-hmm. this is how i feel fuck you for not feeling that way kind of thing <laughs> or the uh, the opposite you know and there's there's and if you have something in a painting or your philosophy or your music or your your literature your writing whatever that somebody doesn't agree with they'll kind of just tune out at best and at worst you'll be you know uh you know hung mm-hmm. so to speak you're, yeah there, it's like there's you're either exalted or vilified which is just a reflection of the ab- absolute sort of bizarre polarities of everything right uh and the the polemics that are in play now are sort of made of that. Like, I I can't tell you how many times, like I I've gotten into conversations with people where it's like, 
you know the people that are upset about things um you know I, I, you know i just want to be like hey you know what like what if people i would imagine that all these people that are in these reviled positions and places st- like everybody has some interesting weird perspective right like even if something is revolting or bizarre and fucked up as donald trump you know it's like I've 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 had people throw shade at me just because I've said something to the effect of like I'd like to sit down with that guy and have a conversation. If I ever had the ability to do that, I would fully embrace that. Of course you would. <clears throat> but that's also <laughs> why, why you're a reasonable person who's, you know, an intellectual um <laughs> and and wants to know more and I'm fundamentally curious. Right. And yeah. you're you don't go around having base judgments. I mean, well, I mean, I can do, you, I can say he's like a fucking piece of shit or whatever, but I, I, ultimately, I'm like, okay, this guy is devoting a lot of time to being a piece of shit. But everyone and has he's masterfully crafted this this narrative and this position and got himself into this place. You can learn from that, and so right, like, what are like, yeah, know your enemy. I guess is like the most absurd way of of saying it. But ultimately, it's I don't even want to think about it as like enemies. It's just sort of like. Okay, this this is emblematic of the new now. This is what is passable. This is what is amenable and uh, feels good to the broader masses of people in some way. Like, what is that? A what is that about? And, and Everyone can teach you something. Yeah, I mean, and if if you're both willing to discuss things and not yell at each other and uh, call each other names, yeah, and start yelling, no matter where you lie in the political spectrum, from you know like uh like free market uh anarchist the libertarian kind of Mm -hmm. thing anarcho-capitalist i guess all the way to full-blown communist yeah you know or or anarchist Mm -hmm. um yeah the other anarchists right uh everything's an anarchy everything in between (laughs) if you're if you're being civil you can learn something from each other that you weren't thinking before that might make some sense to you This, this should make some sense to you yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, people are fucking stupid. Some people are, but not everyone is. And people that get to certain places usually have a little bit of intelligence to get there. Whether, you, you know, it's not like high end intelligence, it might just be sociopathic and how they right. manipulate people. Not necessarily people. ethical, but. <laughs> but you can learn something from those sociopaths. Yeah. You know, on well, like it, how, to, how, to, how to pick them out or you, you name it. Yeah, or or if you're just like like say that you're in a place where you're just like okay, I don't like that this person is president or whatever. Well, I need to understand how this happened, and be open to the failings that led to why this happened, so that I right. can perhaps mechanize or rethink w- how that occurred. And y- yeah, and it's I was one of the only people in my sort of uh, echo chamber of friends at the time that was like you guys realize that trump is fully going to get elected he's going to get like this is hands down and people are like you're insane like there's no way and i'm like well just watch you know and then now i think that we're living out exactly the why of what i was talking about or what i was sensing at that time which is that everybody just needs to chill the fuck out these things like just because you see these absolute truths about how um, people relate to people or how society treats people or laws that reflect uh, the broader sort of value of people and all the things that govern all of that, it's 
you have to have like a mind for the game and you have to have a mind for the just infantile nature of politics well truth is a subjective word yeah these days. Ex- well and it's also like think about what arena you're looking for absolute truth and moral um uh upright uh sort of like of course we aspire and we want and we're going to clamor for the things that we believe are the highest most attainable sort of you know goals that you can have in that realm but can we not just look at the situation and go hey this is we're 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 trying to govern with like sidewalk chalk like it's it's everybody fucking calm down you can't you can't draw a a a a mandala with sidewalk chalk you can't you can't do like 4d representational drawings with sidewalk chalk like understand the primitive nature of the tools and the absurdity of the situation and the idea that you know most of this stuff was written when you know mail was delivered by a horse or whatever you need to do to fucking get real and then go okay slow down like it doesn't mean that your truth is not aspirational and legit and of course you know people deserve these things or you know like whatever but you've got to you've got to like understand where where you sit in reality like on a temporal sort of level and think about you know, and people want to say like that things were so great, you know, twenty or thirty years ago, and it's like, nah, I mean, well, no, d- depending on how you measure it, but I mean, like, you know, know where your neighbor stands too. And, you know, like okay, so Bayer factories <laughs> were being bombed, and you know, like all, I mean, whatever you want to call it, like Union Carbide, uh, you could whatever you can go back and find just absolute atrocities across ev- every political administration or majority that has ever ruled anything. And I'm in full agreement, like with you know people like Rogan, you know, where it's like anybody that wants that position or that role or responsibility is out of their fucking mind. Oh yeah, my uh, girlfriend and, and I talk about that all the time. You you have to be sociopathic to want to be the president, and yeah. that should that should uh, discredit you from having that position. It should just be like a weird catch twenty two where we never have another president because everyone who would be the president is clearly not qualified to well, be Well, do you want to be president? Yeah, well, you're, <laughs> you can't do it now. Yeah. You know. Uh, and I, like what Rogan said before in the past, too, has been a while, I think, that I've heard him say it. But, you know, they're the, the, like one one monkey to rule them all. <laughs> you know, like, like it's a one, ridiculous concept. One head chimp yeah. for the 350 million that we have here. Yeah. yeah. And for the most part, it's just a figurehead anyway. Yeah. They don't have that much power. Well, but there are there are absolute power things that a, that a president can do that are for sure. pretty insane. But that, that's all predicated. Like, but we have a lot of things in place that have checks and balances and like our yeah. our Congress and Senate, they for the most there's part. things that that are in place to where the things that get brought up take a long time to go through so that things can't change on a dime Man, which I is re- which is good i read i read this uh, in my good. opinion it is good i read the, i read this book called um occult america have you ever heard of this i've heard of this book yeah do they talk about like the like the layout of dc and all that kind of stuff so yeah it does touch on that but it's like it goes into like even more deeply like georgia the, guidestones i've been there <laughs> like, 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 like the the documented sort of uh documented evidence of like like how they masonic how, conspiracy well like how, how, they, <laughs> how they, they they like the corner the actual physical cornerstones, cornerstones yeah 
uh, and all that were christened and yeah, I know about all this stuff. Yeah, sort of. I mean, I've this is you're getting in my territory okay. now. <laughs> sort of. I read this book in, uh, about ten years ago and it blew my fuse. I was like, I knew all this to some level, but I didn't realize to what extent in actuality. Like it wasn't. This wasn't like a a weird, just kind of fringy paperback. You know, it was like that that. It, it was real shit. Yeah, yeah. That that stuff, the crop circles, and a few other things were the catalyst to what I'm doing now. Now this is this is like seven years after being heavily uh, rabbit holed into those subjects, and this is what I have now. Masonry and crop circles. Yeah, yeah. Like back yeah. then, it was very more. O- it was way more obvious mm-hmm. that those were the things that I was reading uh-huh. and watching and stuff. And, and, <laughs> That's you know, awesome. And now I, I see those on Instagram, and I'm like, oh, you're too direct. Uh-huh. You know, like your your sacred geometry is like out of like page 40 of the handbook yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know and like it's you're not making art you're yeah. you're just re remaking these these designs that uh-huh. have been around forever yeah you know and that's you criticizing your old self saying like i gotta do something better than this or y- more than this yes and criticizing artists now they're doing it oh i see you know for my ivory tower in greenbrier tennessee <laughs> you know, like oh oh come on come now young man i won't say anything to him <laughs> your poplar tower oh uh, yeah I'll, I'll i'll like their photos another one playing you know? with the numbers <laughs> <laughs> like you know you guys keep going yeah i like what you're doing keep keep making your geometry you'll see the light sometime yeah um but yeah it's too direct that way but yes the the masonic and the the old old ways and stuff like that i don't think they run the world i used to i don't anymore um if i had a chance to be a mason i think i would mm. if someone asked me because you have to be if asked you're, if, if you're out there hearing this and you're a mason like get in touch with us and we'll put you in touch with we've had a guest actually on the mason. podcast that is a high level mason really who can't talk about it you can't tell me he was on the podcast but he was didn't, he, oh, he, 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 he didn't disclose it Joe's narrowing it down to episodes that he was present for versus ones that he was not. It's and like the I'll, game Guess Who. You know? I will say that it was an episode where you were not present. Okay. Because I am not allowed to have conversations with high-ranking Masons unless you are not around. <laughs> when they, there's a heathen present. Because they know who you are. <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't talk about it when you were having an interview? Didn't bring it up. Okay, but you know that he is fully yeah that's fine they don't i don't think they care people know that they're masons it's not like a secret no, usually that you're most a mason. of them have like license plate but it's, <laughs> yeah, also, but it's also not something to sort of treat as a novelty you know to no, be like no. hey bro you're in you know I, I guess i could be one because i'm 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 not an atheist but i'm definitely not a theist and you have to believe in something to be a mason have to sit down with a mason and discuss my my views on the universe to see if i could even qualify to be a mason there's probably some sort of rubric that if you laid out all of your thinking and your thoughts uh and opinions or beliefs that i believe if you laid that out in, in, in some sort of rubric that it would actually align or funnel towards uh, the categorization of being a believer in something yeah i am does that make sense like like i'm not saying in a singular or definable well, sense i i've i've said it many times to people that I, I meet and love and whatever that I like the Masons uh, take on God. They call God the grand architect and I yeah. like that. Same with Native Americans. Uh, it's, it's the, the creator, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but like the grand architect, the, the great, it, 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 it's like the angles, you know, yeah. like the, yeah. it's, it's not, doesn't have to be. It's the great spirit with humanoid. a protractor. Yes. It can <laughs> well, and just be an equation or an algorithm right. or whatever that has. Or you uh, think about like the Mendelbrot set or you think about like, right, fract- like yeah. iterative um, basic formulas that over enough iterations actually yield geometric shapes that are infinite and uh, present in everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, <clears throat> an obvious example would be look at a spiral galaxy that you see, you know, they're they're all over the internet, you know, they're really beautiful. <laughs> and then The internet is a spiral galaxy. And then look at a hurricane. It's the exact same yeah, pattern, uh-huh. you know, uh, Fibonacci kind of yeah, uh, arms sequence. coming out of yeah. it. Yeah, and they look nearly identical as above, so below. And I find <laughs> I, I, great. <laughs> I find a lot of comfort in that, that things seem to be kind of self-replicating. Mm-hmm. You Like the coastlines of, you know, countries, uh, if you zoom out and look at it, and you zoom in a little bit, it's the exact same. You zoom in, it's the exact same. You zoom in, it's right. the exact same until you get down to the grains Powers of sand. Of 10 and all that. Right, and, yeah. it, and it looks the exact same. Trees do too. It's everywhere, man. It's fucking everywhere. And yeah, Listen, I, man, I don't know if you've ever done it, but you should totally look into doing hallucinogenic drugs. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you would be really game for I've got a, another guest we're going to have on to talk about that too. So we, we, we're oh, going yeah? Yeah, to go off the deep end a little I'll bit. Have to, Season five, off the deep end. Make my mom <laughs> we'll start, we'll start like having themes we for our seasons. here's the thing i would like that i would yeah. like that because like you the ufc doesn't really i think the ufc is getting ready to do no, it no but like one how but the one, headline, yeah, the yeah, one, yeah. one is like one a hero's champion rises what, from the people yeah. Yeah. What was yeah. the, uh, a new one era. a bird of fire eats the golden calf yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not quite that insane hashtag, but it's awesome even just hashtag yeah, a new era a new era is great but they'll be just like you know uh, you know, it'll be like, oh, like ladies, like, uh, like, uh, tournament or something. It'd be like battle angels. <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit. It's awesome. Hey, by the way, just, uh, <laughs> cutting away from, <clears throat> did you see the, uh, did you, did you see the Michelle water Waterson, uh, Carolina Kovacavich fight? I did. Yeah. 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 Man. Yeah. It, I, I was, I was, I was rooting for Michelle Waterson and, and I guess, you know, it's pretty much what you would think would happen. I think I was trying to think she could knock her out, but you would mostly think she'll she just comes from she'll point fighter. Yeah. She comes from point fighting. And, and you don't see her like smashing people. You, I mean, like what she, yeah. she submitted Paige Van Zandt, right? Sure. So, yeah. You know, so she's like got some of that game as well, but she's not knocking people out with those, those kicks. Right. Oh man. Well, she, you know, if she connected on any of those kicks that she did throw that were head that, kicks, yeah, it, w- yeah, it would yeah, have yeah. sent her head into the second row. Yeah, yeah. But, like, her whole deal, what's so inspiring to me about that is, like, if you're, if you're somebody that has just been doing something for a long time, you've been even professionally doing something for a very long time, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, you know, you really have like it's part of your identity, and it's part of who you are, and it's part of how people uh, think of you, and and whatever. You know, to see what she did, uh, that was clear evidence of a, a renaissance and a next leveling, and putting things together in a way that she hadn't before. 
I mean, she has shown glimpses of or whatever, but that 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 performance was so from beginning, middle, and end, uh-huh. just absolutely consistent, um, never in danger mm-hmm. uh, against somebody that's game and amazing, and and it's that weird connection too, where you've got the 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 person like the point fighter person who likes to have a little bit of distance to work with against the pressuring person yeah. who can almost always be the undoing of that person yeah. and you need that person even if if the point fighting person can keep up for a round that doesn't mean they can do it for three rounds and it sort of requires a certain level of like perfect performance to like fight off that kind of pressure yeah. over that amount of time and consistently you know create that distance and defend that distance yeah. and like somebody like Stephen Thompson is somebody that you see do that against Jorge Masvidal right yeah. Yeah. but that was an incredibly impressive performance because here comes this fucking juggernaut yeah. and you 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 stop them at every moment and that's really how that one felt too it really felt like she she came out with a great plan. She was executing it, and then she was able to keep doing it, and and little by little, sort of just like t- controlled the fight. But her, like the the way that she was, because um, what is that kick that they that's sort of that kind of Jackson Wink kind of straight the kick ob- to the top, the, the oblique. Like oblique kick? Yeah. yeah, she was doing that. To, like that's like the sort of yeah. weird kind of system that they have for like you want to maintain space it, this is yeah. how you do it kick him in the fucking knee well it's just like <laughs> it's kicking them just above the knee yeah, you're like, like stomping like, right like above their knee three inches above their kneecap yeah and it's like a stomping motion like the knee comes up and then your foot shoots out and stomps them right above their knee it's so like, and it's weird when she throws it too because like physically speaking she's so much different than like John Jones and yeah. so it's like a totally different vibe with her but it's still same as, result. as insane yeah, <laughs> yeah. same result and you're then, just waiting for somebody's leg to go you know what I mean yeah I don't know man I don't know how they haven't like just fully hyperextended somebody's leg but but anyway but like the and then just uh, the way that she was essentially I think they've made a point of this in the broadcast to say like sort of the, she's essentially so fast with her kicks that she can just essentially use a, a straightforward kind of kick as a, a jab as just like a feeling mm-hmm. out of distance and and you know whatever so like uh, yeah and so to have somebody like Carolina coming at her and to be able to maintain that for all you know the time that it took for her to do you know anyway and then also just like I have, I don't know like the fact that she's a mom and mm-hmm. and you know really uh, you know is professed that she's like she's gonna be the first mom champ yeah that's cool I like I, that I love that whole thing so anyway like that was mom super champ. There's no, it's interesting it's an interesting thing that she's bringing up there that as we're watching like the ascendancy of another generation like post Ronda yeah. of like the new heights of what women's MMA is. Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a cool thing that she's like, Hey, what about the mom champ? Like, like there's a whole other level of this, like in terms of, I mean, like hopefully in their household, like the husband and wife are raising the child together. But in the meantime, she had to go through a pregnancy, which is obviously devastating to the life of an athlete. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, so I think there is a special place for moms in MMA. You yeah. know what I mean? Which is, gonna always be there as long as we're talking about right there right like she had her title shot and you know had a sort of flukish weird uh, loss but she was right there and Mm -hmm. you know and then she was even dealing with like so Michelle Watterson's coming from a situation where she's clearly like has a family that is whole and complete and healthy on some basic level Mm -hmm. whereas Kat Zangano was like my boyfriend or husband or whatever father of my child uh, just killed himself like nine months ago Mm -hmm. And I have this kid, and then now I'm fighting Ronda Rousey mm-hmm. in a title fight, right? Which is nuts. 
Uh, but anyway, I just thought that was really cool. Um, there's the a lot fight, of- man. The art in the fight and the fight in the art. It really is. It really is. I mean, it's it's hard to like. It's you know, especially I don't I don't want to say it's like more females than otherwise that sort of disagree or don't like the notion of combat sports or whatever. But man, like I can't think of like as a. It's so impressive to me, even as mm-hmm. a as a man. I can't imagine like how how if I was fully vested in in fighting as a sport and something that I was interested in, not necessarily even participating in, but just interested in it. To see Michelle Watterson, you know, a mom doing what she's doing has got to be some of the most inspiring stuff that you can see. And and she's so like she is wildly creative. Like she's not just like some brute that is just sort no. of able to take a lot of shots and somehow no, no. she gets through like no she, she had some good she had some good like takedowns in that fight too she did some cool like judo takedowns right where she got her like in the headlock and sort of yeah. just collapsed forward and threw over yeah. her hip and stuff really yeah, there cool was stuff. actually one headlock kind of takedown in that fight yeah. that I thought it was I was like oh my god it was, seemed like it was right on the top of Carolina's head <laughs> yeah. uh, but she was fine thank, yeah but she's thankfully. definitely like an all around like woman warrior fully mm-hmm. i mean i just can't think of anything more powerful than than that i mean think about how bad she would just destroy you if she you were destroy you. Like, I, like i don't want her to kick me that's the part because like that's the part where she's gonna really anything fuck that she you does, up like she and, and, <laughs> and she's you know like you know it's it's kind of an embarrassment that her fighter nickname is the karate hottie and i think that she even kind of feels that way about it you know on some level but uh but I mean, she's she's feminine. She's pretty. She's capable. She's mm-hmm. cool. She's all these things, and she would yeah. fucking wreck you. She would wreck any one of us mm-hmm. in a matter of seconds. She's a a monster mm-hmm. in the best way. Well, I don't start fights, so it wouldn't happen. <laughs> yeah, especially with ladies. Yeah, <laughs> with anybody. <laughs> yeah, just walk away. Should uh, is it a good time to segue into our special segment with all the weird fucking uh, calls we got? Um, yes. I'm By the way, I like strong women. Oh yeah, a lot. Physically strong or emotionally strong or both? Uh, both, but physically, you know, well, you, you both. like getting thrown around a little bit. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 can, tough. Can, when uh, Aubrey is like you know athletic. Four. Yeah. She's very strong. And she, How tall are you? I, six four. Oh my god, you are tall. Man. Like if you and Aubrey were like <laughs> wrestling, I think that she would give you a run for your money. She has. Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> we've done it multiple times. Shout out to Aubrey. Yeah, shout out to my my doctor Hottie. Yeah. yeah. Um she's <laughs> she's tough as nails. Uh but we were sparring or re- sparring. Re- re- <laughs> sparring. <laughs> wrestling <laughs> wrestling in our our house. We have a when you first walk in it's like a, a kitchen, kind of a little living area and a dining room kind of all in one large mm-hmm. room with a big rug in the middle. And I don't know, we were drinking tequila or something and, <laughs> and first one, step. One, one thing came yeah. to another and we started, you know, wrestling and uh you know I won but <laughs> okay, let's I, get that straight. Well, maybe not. How you would doesn't sound like think, you want. Think about it. Yeah, I threw my back out. <laughs> there we go. Well, I I have back spasms. Like probably once every two or three months, I get really bad back spasms. And like I had Charlie horse in your back kind of. Yeah, thing? it's like yeah. the what you I guess you would consider the if you hunt or whatever. It's like the back strap uh-huh. of meat, you uh-huh. know, between your shoulder blade and your oh, spine. Okay, okay. 
that just seizes up into this like ball uh-huh by my shoulder blade and oh, that yeah. happened while i was wrestling with your girlfriend wrestling with Aubrey. <laughs> yeah uh but yeah so maybe she did win i don't know but she's very strong yeah she works out all the time and she can she can get low and right. she's she's tough man she's a, a tough woman see that's smart because like the thing you know that i've learned more about like i did a little bit of jujitsu when i first started going to the uh mma gym i was going to up in hendersonville but she really once, wants to but she, there's not one out by us but she wants to do that so bad oh does she she wants to do uh jujitsu she's she thinks she's too old no, 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 dude. That's I just, what I said. I just it's started like, doing it. And I'm older than both y'all. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's 34. Yo, man, no, no, and no. In great she's health. prime. She's prime. I know. And there's no yeah. there's no like wrong age to get started yeah. this anyway. 100, percent 100. percent There's no wrong age. And 34 year old woman who's already in good shape is perfectly perfect to go into the scene. Oh, and she's she's built yeah. for it. Yeah. The, here's the thing: is that the the weird thing about it that I really like is that you really start to learn over time that it's like it's this really rad system where it's it's it becomes that whole thing of like you know okay so you're like a lot bigger than she is and a lot stronger than she is it's like yeah but she has some kind of sense about how to use her center of gravity that makes her able to get leverage against you and that kind of stuff and those kinds of instincts are are great for wrestling and they're great for jujitsu because well, that's what jujitsu is all about yeah. <laughs> she's, she's actually fucking she's strong fucking strong yeah yeah <laughs> if she if i went limp completely uh-huh. limp she could pick me up and throw me over her shoulder i'm pretty sure it would be <laughs> tough but she could me do over it. her shoulder but once she did she could walk me to the car if she needed to wow she's, she's strong wow yeah yeah she should do uh jujitsu i agree completely <laughs> i agree yeah and i think we're moving to richmond later this year richmond um, virginia? virginia yeah really how mm-hmm. come i don't think i've told brian brian i told you this maybe moving to richmond she no. she got an offer from a hospital that she oh. scribed at in williamsburg virginia and uh it's a really really good hospital and uh really Can I ask what kind of medicine she does emergency medicine oh she's wow. an er doctor oh wow yeah um and this is a great hospital they're democratically run which is um rare these days which means that the um the physicians there don't work for a corporation it what i understand from this kind of is that uh these systems are kind of like an uh uh an agency for actors mm-hmm and that this kind of agency will represent a bunch of doctors and they all work in a certain like region and then those agencies will buy new hospitals or the physicians that work in them Mm -hmm. and they buy and sell a lot and they can change your shifts per month and things and their salaries so it's more like you're working for this third party organization and they're plugging you in and out of like situations that you like that are favorable for the hospital right you work for the company that I know put I, you yeah. in there. I had yeah. a friend, like an agency. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I had a friend whose sister uh, whose sister was a nurse and I don't know what the I think what, it's similar. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the uh, sort of demand for nurses is, but not that long ago it was a thing like if you had a nursing degree, especially if you were a, a practical nurse or whatever it's called, that then it was like you could kind of write your own ticket for a minute there, you know, and so she basically you know, it, it led that demand for nurses led to the formation of these kinds of businesses that basically would like 
take a qualified nurse and then basically offer her whatever they they're like hey do you want to go to las vegas for three months because you can go be a nurse here and they're offering this much but i think we can get them to give us x amount more and da 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 you know what i mean there's like, like a, a, -between. a commodity that's being brokered yeah it becomes yeah. there becomes room for brokers because it's so lucrative because this because because of the lack of this this uh there's traveling this nurses person, as well you know? that do really that's well that's what i'm talking if you about. don't have a family you can do very well are yeah. you keeping your house moving around i think we're gonna sell it whoa i, I don't know who's gonna rent a house out in greenbrier if you can figure out any way to not sell it you should not sell it. this house is awesome i want to like i want to just move it to virginia yeah yeah so figure it out man i know i, I i'm right, like, right now i'm in the process of thinking hey, look, about it right you, now you're you know you were at the very beginning you were saying like brian you should have invested in a property in new york city in the 90s <laughs> <laughs> and i'm, I'm trying to tell Green, you right Green now Briar, tennessee i should keep my house <laughs> yes. Greenbrier's about to explode about right that, after man. madison yeah <laughs> now, madison now yeah, yeah. And yeah. if i got the house in madison six years ago i'd be sitting pretty good right now mm. can so, i go to the bathroom before yeah, you do that you're allowed to do whatever you want to do yeah are we before getting ready we're getting ready to uh, come on back and we'll do our uh, our do our phone calls right so tell let's let's take a second to like tell people uh like how they can call us and give us a message so we have an open-ended sort of a voicemail you can call 615-249-8250 and you can find us on twitter or wherever else to get that number again but um mm -hmm. At basically, Art Fight Podcast on Twitter. Yeah, and, and so basically, it's just an, an open-ended voicemail where people can leave us questions. For, you know, sometimes we'll announce that we have a particular guest coming on, and so we want to sort of stage or have like questions ready for that particular guest that people might be interested in That's asking. Right. Sometimes it's just like uh, completely random fare. Um, uh -huh. Sometimes it's completely bizarre, but it's just a way yeah. to sort of connect out to people that you know i don't know there's something about uh having a way to sort of have your imprint on something you know and to be right. a part of something that i think is great so we just sort of have that as an open-ended open-ended sort of piece that that uh people can take advantage of and, and and be a part of something so and we've had some pretty good luck with that so far um now like like for instance like the first call that i have here okay uh, now, okay, if you do call in, 615-249-8250, if you do call in, try to keep it pretty brief. Let's not, like, like try to keep it under a minute. I'm not saying time yourself or freak out, but uh, we've got some that are incredibly long, uh, and they're really interesting things, you know, but it's like, I can't you know like you know so so there's that and, and i actually, called in once let them do what they want brian okay well then fine. <laughs> all right so are you ready are you ready for the, uh, i've got i've got a message here that is two minutes and 46 seconds long <laughs> you want to see that how is, far we can go that is long yeah. okay but here's the thing like, <laughs> I, I spoke too soon it's, like, what's it who's it for what's it for so it's a general I, i'll give you the context let me, i'll set it up for you so um the the caller is a woman named Haley green who is uh, a Nashvilleian that now lives in Florida. And she's been on this path to sort of uh, discovering uh, different types of healing, I guess, or uh, uh, things that help people. And she's been deeply interested in this notion of uh, th uh, sound as a healing mechanism. And so, you know, she had... Uh, you know been asking some questions in and around this that uh, you know i just thought at some point we would have during the season 
some sort of a guest that could speak to this, whether it be a producer or a, I don't know, somebody. Uh, and that just didn't really materialize. And I just wanted to like, this is one that's been in the bank here for a minute. Uh, and so I'm just going to play it. And then here's the thing. If we have nothing to say to it and we can't speak to it, then fine. But either way, I just think it'd be interesting for listeners to sort of... Uh, Depending on what she says, to might see the range, have, the range of questions that might be asked. The absolute range. I may, <laughs> have, I may have some knowledge of I've, sound being sacred. Or, or, yeah. or mm. and I have some of this knowledge too. Like I, John Coltrane, from an from an, <laughs> from an acoustic standpoint, I I have experience with um, brainwave synchronization as a concept, right? And so you can you can create uh, like theta waves, for instance, and modulate those inside mm. sort of like pink noise or white noise that then sort of is embedded or mixed into dream machine into songs or environments <laughs> that if if but it requires headphones. But if people are listening to, then they're actually uh, getting these sort of uh, things summoned entrainment that can yes they can, <laughs> they can summon or elicit different uh, responses or reactions that are uh, essentially physiological um, but uh, we're not getting too weird we're getting too uh, weird and I'm doing this okay so let's let's see how this works let me make sure I can hear this and uh, uh, thank you Haley for the call hi Brian it's Haley Green I am calling with a somewhat formulated question. I'll try to work through it. But I am interested in theta waves. We know that young children, when they are learning, um, are in a theta wave state, and that's between what they think is 4 and 7 hertz. So if we want to um, reprogram our subconscious, there is a kind of a theory that we can play theta waves and use self-hypnosis or tapes of other people having reprogramming our subconscious. Um, when I look into being a person who doesn't understand music or frequency, when I look into finding things that are between 4 and 7 hertz, um, I don't really understand what that means or how I would choose sounds that are in that hertz way, um, hertz frequency, I guess I would say. Um, there's also um, some science behind having theta and gamma coupling while you are in hypnosis and trying to reprogram your subconscious. So, um, yeah, if you could explain more of the hertz and how we can find that kind of musicality or tunes or whatnot um, in order to kind of create some kind of playlist for our own, our own self um meditative, contemplative, reprogramming of sub subconscious things that we're all trying to hack into our brains. Um, that would be helpful. Because I don't understand all the Hertz things or how to look it up. When you look these things up on um, Spotify, most of the theta wavelength music is just horrifying. It's nothing you would want to meditate or sleep to. So um wondering, yeah, what exactly that means and how I can kind of create my own playlist all right thanks so much bye we can also call oh i can also talk about the heart the heart frequency um i find that stuff interesting as well and how to figure out i think that would be interesting too to have i'm not sure what the gamma the gamma frequency is i think it's a little bit more than the data but wonder if you could throw in some heart frequency in there too and kind of make it a whole reprogramming with some love thrown in there and uh, I don't know how they came up with that. 
I think that's um, some some lovely pseudoscience that I haven't found some real science behind. But I will send you some good science behind the theta stuff if you are interested. Okay, bye, darling. Okay, so I can speak to me immediately to some of this just with my experience and knowledge in the realm of music production and engineering and sound. Um, so first, Haley, you should understand that when something is something hurts, that's just a measurement for its frequency. Um, so things can be 10 kilohertz or things can be, like you were talking about, sort of 5 to 7 hertz, which, by the way, um, you know, if you think about the difference between 10 kilohertz and 6 hertz, um, let me explain that to you real quick, which is to say that 10,000 kilohertz is, is, a, is a higher frequency. It's still audible, uh, but it's, it's a higher pitch. Um, think of it as like the sound of like a hi-hat cymbal or something on a drum set. Like it's kind of high. Um, now, when you talk about 7 hertz, 5 to 7 hertz, um, I don't know if that's theta-inducing or not because here's the thing. That's actually infrasonic. Um, we cannot hear... 5 to 7 hertz and uh, to give you a little background on what is categorically called infrasound infrasound is you know essentially frequencies that we we cannot hear but but um, they exist um, you can also feel them you can apparently feel, well here's the maybe thing. so like um, here's the way that infrasound was discovered infrasound was uh, there were back in the industrial revolution as factories started to be built they uh, had people, you know, in these larger assembly type of uh, factories, and they would have these giant exhaust fans um, in these buildings. And the oscillation of those fans, uh, the turning of those fans at a certain proportion or speed would essentially amplify or like create and then amplify these frequencies. Now, what was happening was they were entire factories of people were were getting sick and so they would shut down these factories and, and investigate them for you know what pests or rodents or germs or uh -huh. god knows whatever primitive sort of things that they were looking at but like why is everyone here getting sick um but what they came to find out was that the turning of these gigantic exhaust fans was emanating a frequency that was infrasonic that is in the realm of say five to seven hertz and so it's inaudible, but um, uh, was causing people such a physical disturbance that they were becoming sick. And then so what happened is that beyond that, um, the military became very interested in this uh, infrasound as a, as a weapon. And uh, so they started to figure out like, okay, if, if we can make masses of people sick or debilitated on some level, then how can we use this from a, a military standpoint? <laughs> and they um so they started doing these giant these you know uh creating these frequencies uh and they would have these uh essentially like flatbed trucks that had essentially what looked like giant whistles on them um that they were creating these frequencies and then trying to amplify them and then direct them and that is where they ran into the problem is trying to, to direct those frequencies because they cannot be aimed or directed. So if you think about, like the simplest example would be if you think about a, uh, like a subwoofer in like a home theater system, right? Like the subwoofer, you can put that speaker 
anywhere in the room. You can put it over to the left. You can put it over to the right. You can put it behind you. You can put it in front of you. It doesn't matter. And the reason why is because the subwoofer is dealing with frequencies that are low enough to where they're no longer directional or perceptibly directional by the human brain or ears. So if you think about things that are sub subwoofer sounds right like things that you actually can't even hear there's absolutely no way to contain that and so what was happening was they were in the military testing of all this infrasound you know they were trying to direct these beams and they were miserably failing people were getting sick all around it you know like uh but the idea was uh or their aim was you know if, if we can concentrate this beam and direct it and amplify it and focus this beam in a direction then we could with enough amplitude of that frequency we could effectively liquefy the insides of people um at a high enough amplitude so if you think about like being at a concert and just feeling like you could feel the bass you know sort of jarring your insides you know that's like in an audible range uh that is like in a 30 hertz kind of uh realm probably you know maybe down to like (coughs) 20 at the most uh, but then once you get down below that, like you just can't hear it. So, uh, so first I would just say like in terms of theta waves, oh, uh, wait, can I go real quick on infrasound? Uh, well, hold on. Okay. Okay. So I just want to get out everything that I thought about real quick go and then it. leave you guys to suffer. So, um, so anyway, uh, beyond that, um, so theta waves, so uh, for anybody listening or concerned about this or wondering, theta waves, a th- theta waves induce a theta state, and a theta state is the same uh, state of consciousness. The, the easiest way to understand what the theta state is is to think about what you are doing when, like when you're in that weird stage between falling asleep and actually asleep. It's that weird curve in that part of your sort of consciousness. And that part of your curve is very imaginative, very creative. Uh, it's very transcendent. It's very problem-solving oriented. You know, it's like when I would I would suspect that like anybody that says like I, I would suspect that like the etymology of like the term sleep on it really actually has to come from that in some way. Like there's a clarity that comes from the theta state and passing through it now when you fall asleep that might only happen for a few minutes but like for instance if you go to a float tank and you do like a sensory deprivation float tank situation you actually get into a theta induced state that is sustained for an hour hour and a half and so that's why that is such a healthy and great thing for the mind you know uh and uh it's a real thing uh i can definitely speak to that so um so anyway like uh you know it sounds to me like uh, Haley, like what the first things are to do to best understand this is to sort of just to actually just have a fundamental knowledge of how what what frequencies actually are and what the units of measurement are and how amplitude relates to frequency and just some basic sound properties that can be found anywhere on the internet uh just to start to to kind of get your head around that and then the other part of it i would say is that uh you know the 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 notion of of you being able to uh leverage these things in a way that can affect people that is a hundred percent a real actual scientific thing and you can find studies to support any of that and all of that to no end um and i have like for instance uh the software uh that comes with the, the adobe creative suite which is called adobe audition 
Adobe Audition used to be a software made by a company called Centrillium called Cool Edit Pro back in the 90s because I used it even back then. And back then even, it still, and it still has it to this day, but back then it had a function for brainwave synchronization in it. So when you talk about like things that you hear on Spotify or things that you see on Spotify that just sound like shit uh, that aren't like relaxation inducing or con- contemplative enough or whatever, um, understand that there is ready-made consumer-based software that can create these frequencies in the midst of what is sort of considered white noise or pink noise. Think of it as like TV static types of sounds. But you can create those kind of sounds in ways that are inaudible to the human ear and then modulate or mesh or sort of blend those constructions of these frequencies into anything. I could blend it into this podcast as I'm talking right now in post-production. I could I could blend theta waves into this right now. And as long as the, the listener is listening in headphones, that's the only way that the brain is actuated by it. But if that actually happens, then you will yield all of those benefits or anybody would yield those benefits. So I would say just first understand frequency and amplitude and some of the basics of sound and how that works. Then understand how each of the uh, sort of different sort of uh, wave states, what, what they induce and how they can be used or leveraged and then understand lastly that there are tools that are readily available that you can modulate those frequencies into that can affect anybody that's wearing headphones. Word. <laughs> what were you going to say, Chris? Uh, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, he did a great job explaining that. I'm glad you kept going. I was talking about infrasound uh, and the things that I've been listening to while I paint are paranormal and ufo shit uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh maybe talking about infrasounds podcast to listen to and there i think one of the first times it was known as well as the factor you were talking about this guy i might butcher the story i'll, I'll keep it short is it about elephants no uh-huh. it's because that's how they communicate uh, yeah yeah oh yeah. yeah yeah and whales too yeah. some some of their stuff Elephants I think, stomp is, on the ground and the infrasound that is created from that is like why they can hear each other and discern what they're saying from miles away they also speak in infrasound too don't they isn't there like a lower frequency that they I don't think so audibly maybe but I just know that like their actual like patterns of stepping on the ground mm. can, they use the ground as a uh, uh, as a um, a phone service okay uh, but there was this guy who was working in a basement and I think he was a, a, a fencer and he had you mean his, like he, with a sword right okay and he had he, 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 uh, I think he made the swords as well uh-huh. um, but the oh, yeah. job wasn't that and I think he had a sword down there and I think he saw the sword moving like ghost like he's like well I know that's not happening there has to be some reason for like the corner of my eye I see this sword levitating in the room because I know there's no ghosts in this basement what's going on and it turned out that he was in the perfect spot in this building where the vibration of the pipes or something were at a convergence where he was to make this Uh. frequency that was infrasound that was making I think his maybe his eye uh, twitch well like uh, what do you uh, not uh, what's what I'm looking for not vibrate but not osculate <laughs> oscillate oscillate there we go <laughs> or something yeah and it's like so he was seeing this thing like move so his eye was moving eye. but he thought his something uh, in his vision was moving I think yeah yeah there's another study done and he too. couldn't hear it or like feel it quote no. unquote so he thought it was external 
Right, there's like yeah. a ghost. Yeah, moving interesting. his sword up and down. And there was an, another study done at some concert where they played uh, infra, infrasound through the speakers while there was like this orchestra going on. And 20% of the people that went said they had uh, like uneasy, kind of like bad, not demonic, but not good feelings. Like dreadful. Yes. Depressive feelings. Yeah. Well, dread. And thing, mm-hmm. Yeah. Things wow. you would associate with being like a haunted house kind of thing. You know, like the feeling of like doom or yeah. Wow. Dread fuck. And, and, and so the Mythbusters did it too. I think they also got about 20% of people because they, they had this cabin that wasn't so run down where you would feel like this is sketchy but just enough to be like okay something could have happened here before somebody could have died uh-huh. maybe not whatever they had a few different cabins and they put <laughs> speakers underneath the floor and in the walls that were playing infrasound this is torture yeah and only about 20 percent of people had this feeling of you know doom or, yeah. or dread or like a the haunting other, the, the other 80 percent are so far fucking gone they're like are you kidding that's all you got <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they they said let me tell you about my ex-wife and my uh, my last job man cool cool, <laughs> yeah. cool keith has more infrasound in his beats than this shit <laughs> they, and they said myth busted but uh. I, th- I think 20 percent is more than enough to I don't want to be part yeah. of that that twenty yeah, percent. Yeah, it's like oh shit, something bad's gonna happen really soon. I can fucking feel it. Yeah, you just know? imagine and like, like your whole like your whole perspective undermined like that because you're hearing this sound that you're not even aware of. Right, that's fucked up. Oh, and uh, one more thing, Brian. Yeah, yeah. Before I quit, uh, never quit on on sound and healing powers yeah. and stuff like that. There was a scientist, Doctor Emoto from Japan who did like a 20 year long study on uh, water molecules and speaking to it uh, uh, positively, negatively yelling, singing and all kinds of things. Yeah. 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 And the, the nicer he yeah. was and loving to the water, the more the uh, ice yes. and water particles yes. would no, create like something beautiful. No, you're, this is what I did for my seventh grade science project. I took bean plants and I gave them the exact same light, water, everything, all the conditions, right? The same. But and you then, loved one of them. Like, what, there were three plants. <laughs> one of the plants I took, I would take aside once a day and I would yell at it and insult it and then put it back. And then the other I didn't do anything to. And then the other I spoke nicely to and complimented it. And they grew it logically in a Did you read the, uh, the Private Life of Plants? No, the but, secret, I, had, but I had a very existentially minded mother. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite books ever. Is this Secret Life of Plants? Part Life of Plants? Secret Life of Plants? They made a documentary out of it. Huh. Um, but the book and documentary have different uh, descriptions in the beginning of them. Yeah, and like that's and, true. And that, guess what? Vegans better watch out because plants are people too. They wow. are. Yeah. So I wanted to say one thing for our call. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk about the. To me, the best thing you were talking about was the idea of like encouraging her to check out like a float tank, and I feel like. I feel like there's lessons to be learned about like theta and learning that might be more easily accessible visually, and um, mm. uh, she should check out uh, if she hasn't already if she doesn't already know about this. Check out uh, do a Google search, say dream machine, uh, photostrobic light, 
and uh, William Burroughs. And, uh, and, well, and what's the search terms again? And you can do even again, find Dream Machine, Photostrobic Light, Photostrobic Light, <laughs> William, William Burroughs. Burroughs. And then she can, and then you can actually find like any number of websites that will just basically turn on a blinking light that will induce a theta state uh, behind your closed eyes and what if you did that while you were listening oh, to an audiobook yeah. now all of a sudden you're putting yourself in a trance while the information goes into your brain yeah. i just think that there's like the i think you'll she'll have a better sense of understanding how the inducement of theta works visually maybe. i see and no, that's, then, a, that's a good point because it's easy because we understand yeah. our, our sight better than we understand the hearing something and frequency and all that stuff yeah well, there, there's a company that makes a LED panel that will come to your house and <laughs> and and induce this. Yeah, it, it's like a, like Here, a wizard DMT up. trip. Whoa. There we go. Yeah. To get back to your point earlier, I won't let my mom know about this podcast, but yes, I have done hallucinogenic drugs before <laughs> too. I've done DMT and I've done uh, psilocybe cubensis <laughs> mushrooms. Um, Bless you. You're <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this the, I think I saw it on uh, Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia. Oh yeah, I like that show. Great show that this company, this guy has made. Interesting, I haven't um, seen this episode. Yeah, seriously, this, this light panel uh, or multiples that you lay down, they put it over your face, you close your eyes, like what you're saying, and it has this like strobing effect mm. that will uh, create this psychedelic experience right. which is kind of like theta state you know it, yeah. that's a whole different conversation yeah, getting, yeah. In, getting in that stuff hey mm-hmm. by the way what, what did William Burroughs have to do with that he's involved with a guy named uh, Brian Geisen B-R-I-O-N-G-Y-S-I-N mm-hmm. and together they basically well actually it's it's kind of the two of them and then there's another guy what the fuck is his name there's another dude who is like a tinkerer a younger beat guy who likes to tinker with electronics and he ends up actually building the dream machine but kind of that the whole triumvirate when they're all living in the beat hotel they come up with the dream machine which is a tube of cardboard basically that they cut holes in so that and they put a light down in the middle of it but it rotates on a 40 oh, like on, no, on a record okay. player yes 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 okay and so, I remember they, this now. so they yeah, yeah, so yeah. they cut the slit yeah, yeah, yeah. so that as it goes around 33 yes. and a third yeah, yeah. it'll 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 induce a the trance so yeah you, my favorite uh, my uh but William Burroughs referred to it as the only piece of art that you look at with your eyes closed wow <laughs> my favorite William Burroughs quote is the dream um, machine he's like if after being in someone's presence you feel like you've lost a quart of plasma avoid yeah. that person yeah, that's good there's there's one where he says if you're dealing with a christian son yeah, of a bitch yeah if you're doing business with a religious in writing yeah i think you're right it's a religious son of a bitch if you're doing business with a religious son of a bitch yeah get it in writing because his word isn't worth shit not as long as the good lord is telling him how to fuck you <laughs> my dad had similar philosophy on uh, uh on religious companies people? that had oh. the jesus fish on their vans oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah no all no, right so note to self all right we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna like we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna blast through uh some calls and some of these don't we don't necessarily have to expound upon they're just you know like oh cool hey thanks for that we went and in then, there yeah and then uh and then we move on so um Here's a previous uh, guest from the last season. Brian, it's good. Montgomery, hey, <laughs> I'm doing as I'm told, uh, checking in. Everything's great. Uh, playing with hemp, playing with fintech, playing with guitars, uh, all those things. Hope you're doing well, man. I have a question. My question is, what is the average speed of a Maiden Sparrow? 
<laughs> European or African? <laughs> That's a swallow. That's different. Oh, did you say sparrow? Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. It's not a direct Monty Python thing. He's a little bit off. Yeah, it's a little bit off, but uh, but thanks for uh, checking in, Mark Montgomery. And if you guys haven't heard the episode with uh, Ernest Chapman and Mark Montgomery, um, you know they're doing a lot of that was this season, right? Pretty brilliant. A couple yeah, weeks ago, yeah, they're doing some pretty brilliant things with um, uh, entrepreneurial efforts around hemp in Tennessee, and then also um, financial technology. And um, we actually went on a lot of tangents in and around uh, sort of. Uh, Nashville and also the sort of the publishing and music um, commerce kind of marketplace and what people are entitled to versus what they're getting and you know just a lot of if, if you're a person that's interested in creativity or music or financial technology or weed then you should listen to that episode so alright moving on to the next one um, I like I I don't know who this is. This is the voice of one crying out from the wilderness. Your friend, John Becton. <laughs> so I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is? Yeah, it's Johnny Invective. Johnny Invective is a uh, is a um, how do I, I, there's a way to describe him, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get it right. But he's a, he's a force. He's a force in the art scene, or is he? Is he from the future, or is he from the distant oh, past? Whoa. <laughs> People can look if you look up uh, if you go to the Number Incorporated uh, website. That's a uh, art journal in Memphis. If you go back sometime last year, I did an interview with Johnny Invective. Oh, you can look that up. That's a thing. <laughs> so yeah. sort of like something about crying out from the wilderness. Yeah, he's uh, a he's a he is like he's a loner, and yet. Give him a shout. He's, make sure everything's okay. He's on every screen. <laughs> you understand? Yeah, yeah. Sort of like a, <laughs> I, I, I hesitate to use this because I really like uh, my friend uh, Black Cat Sylvester is all over this tip right now about uh, Max Headroom and sort of doing things in that vein. Uh, but it sounds like sort of similar. So he's similar. Yeah. All right. So thank you for that, Johnny Invective. Yeah, Johnny Invective. <laughs> uh, that's pretty radical. You said Memphis? Uh, no, he's. Oh, I mean, he, where is he? I don't yeah, know. He's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here, here's the next he's one. He's at CERN, man. Here's the next call. <laughs> hey, uh, first time caller, long time friend of the pod. Uh, it's Ryan Hogan. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I guess I fall into the category of, of extended friend. I haven't actually been featured <laughs> on the podcast. Um, Most people have not been featured on the podcast. Makes sense. I, I retired from art, uh, and I'm a pacifist. But, you know, actually, no. I, uh, I do like to... Uh, get into verbal altercations about art. You, you could maybe consider me being a, a third uh, host <laughs> or you know if I, if I actually um, follow through with uh, you know announcing that I'm coming out of retirement then uh, maybe uh, uh, you'll have me on. <laughs> no, anyway uh, 
I like what you're doing over here. And, um, yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing more. Bye. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan, Ryan Hogan. Hogan. Ryan Hogan, a futurist. He's a futurist. <laughs> I will say, I, I really appreciated that call. The, the only thing that I just cannot get with is, and I just have this weird hang up about vernacular. But I will never call a podcast a pod. A pod. What about a cast? I right, I can't. Think, I think of it as a cast. The cast is the active part of podcast. Yeah, it's it's a cast. It's a it's a apostrophe pod cast. Is just the inherited Steve Jobsian sort of vernacular. Uh, you of stay whatever. in a pod when you're on Mars. Yeah, uh, but all that being said, um, should uh, Joe, um, you know, request and you want to come fill in sometime, maybe that's a possibility. Because uh, you know, dream come true, right? Joe is very busy, uh, and your dream come true. So, all right, here's another one. You ready? Hey, dude, this is Lindsay. I uh, just wanted to say thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh, awesome. It was really cool to talk to you guys about my work and what's going on in the art scene right now in Nashville and my show that was last month at Fort Houston. Uh, yeah, it was definitely an honor, and the show went great. And I have a group show I'm in at Jackalope on Saturday, <laughs> April 6th with the Art Crawl, um, and I'll just have about eight drawings that I made prints of um, that will be the first time they'll be available uh, to purchase because they are from my Moleskine sketchbook. Yes, uh, love being on the podcast, and I got a joke. Uh, what did the asparagus say to the harvesting farmer? Asparagi. All right, goodbye. <laughs> I didn't get the joke. What was that? Sparagai. Sparagai. Oh. <laughs> uh, thanks, Lindsay, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, we loved having good. you on this season. And if you guys haven't listened, go back and listen to, to I did. Lindsay's yeah. episode. She's so good. rad. And I and think she's she's saying to go to the new Jackalope space. So that's like, yeah. uh, like right across from Houston Station, like Bastion and Houston Station in uh, Wedgwood, Houston neighborhood in nashville so if you're in nashville it's like an upstairs event space to not go find yeah uh, she was great she was like one of the highlights of last year yeah and by the way just side note not really important google translation for the voice account or whatever that this mailbox is hosted on it actually got the the transcription correct for moleskin sketchbooks wow that's pretty good i use moleskins but it actually translated it correctly, like the term Moleskine. Yeah, y'all yeah. should get like uh, um, uh, like a sponsorship. They're too important. So April sixth, yeah. and really? she's got oh, yeah. bastards. April sixth, yeah. and she's got <laughs> April sixth. That's like eight, Gwyneth Paltrow shit. Eight, eight, <laughs> eight, eight, eight drawings um, available. Uh, April 6th Saturday so go check it out please go check out the episode with uh, Lindsay on it it was super fun and she's awesome and we'd like to have her back I don't want her to you know maybe she like if Chris you're leaving maybe she can be like our sort of there you go friend of the show level wow uh, since you're ditching well, I hope us you're gonna uh, Skype me in sometimes <laughs> yeah no. No. Skype is so far beyond us right yeah, now it's just not <laughs> I see how it is all right, so here's the next one, and things get a little... We need a tech upgrade. Things get a little stranger. Stranger. My name is Lil John Rush. 
And I live in the trailer park off Dixon, Dickerson. And all I want to say is I'm an American and I want to keep my doggone guns. And if all them Democrats want to take my guns away, they're going to have a time. Because I keep a gun with me. Yes, sir, I do. Thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. No one's taking them. So, first of all, <laughs> any guesses as to who that actually is? Joe, do you know? know? I don't know. I feel like I have a, uh, a beat on who this is. I feel like I have. A, I feel like somebody told me they were calling in, but until I know that they didn't call in beyond this call, I don't just know. Just narrow it's down to people that we've had on the show. I think this it's season. Marlos. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's just go. It seems like it seems like a skit from the uh, from the network TV live or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whatever so, the YouTube. All right. Channels. So here's, here's the next one. Uh, my name is Timmy, <laughs> and I uh. With uh, <laughs> that one artist, my lovely friend, he scared me. I he made a show about guns and it scared me. <laughs> what happened to him? Uh, my mother's coming. <laughs> My mother's calling. I have to go now. <laughs> okay. So let's just keep this. it going. Let's no, no. Oh, hold on. Oh. <laughs> damn, I forgot what I was going to ask. Uh. Is it. Is it fair that they made a movie about Michael Jackson after he's dead? <laughs> leaving Neverland just wondering and if it's cool should they make a movie called Escaping Great Balls of Fire about Jerry Lee Lewis <laughs> just wondering oh. Escaping Great Balls <laughs> So that is the uh, the value judgment question of the day. Uh, considering leaving Neverland, should they also make a documentary called Escaping <laughs> Jerry Lee Lewis's Great Balls of Fire? No comment? Sure. I think, th they're, they think they're commenting about his teenage hey, bride. Hey, listen, right? if you Why guys not? haven't heard uh, the episode with uh, Marlos Yvonne, please go check it out. Um, he's on this season, and he's a character, clearly, uh, and has a lot of characters and uh you know that guy's got some ideas he's got some things um uh chris do you have any feedback thoughts about uh we first started with uh, a character named lil john that uh was very concerned about people taking their guns i'd hang out with him hang out with him yeah and then the kid that called uh was just really concerned about his mother coming so i don't know what that was about i understand that as well yeah, Been and there. then and then the last is this, uh, you know, Michael Jackson versus Jerry Lee Lewis situation that we have here. So, I have a uh, my mom has a, a VHS of me at age like t three or four, uh, maybe even like two. I don't know. Maybe in our, our our first house we lived in, and I was singing 
uh goodness gracious great balls of fire with my elmer fudd accent and this vhs tape (laughs) And that Elmer was like Fudd. my favorite song so as a child. Do you remember your Elmer Fudd accent, or can you give us uh, an example of that right now? Would it be like goodness gracious? Yeah, great balls of fire. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also a video of me at age like six or seven, uh, acting like a little person with my hands coming out of my t-shirt they're uh, tucked, my arms tucked back into my shirt back I'm, when that was acceptable yes when yeah. it was acceptable and i had uh for those that are uh i guess older millennials koosh the oh the, 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 ball. the balls yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah i had a koosh racket and i was playing the koosh racket like a guitar and i was lip singing fine young cannibals under our tv you drive me crazy yep Whoop whoop! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, um, so we would like to see that footage as soon as possible. So I can find it when I go home soon. Yeah, like uh, that should be captured, shared. You, you, you put it on your Instagram. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. I gotta find a VHS player. Yeah. So, um, all right. So then, this next we're gonna blaze through this. We got two more, one point five more. Um, so I'm just gonna play this next one. It's got a couple of, I don't know, three questions actually. Um, but from a, a also from a guest from this season, who we want to thank for being on, and it was really fun. Uh, but anyway, here's the call. Hey guys, this is Paul Horton. Um, uh, three questions. Should I get into jujitsu? Two, um, what's uh, one of your favorite spots to eat in town? And three, um, what's a movie or a book that I should check out that you should, um, that you want to share with me? Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. Peace. That's a great call in. Yeah, and by the way, he's uh, gonna get bombarded with a bunch of cool shit at once, <laughs> what, like at least like nine different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and by the way, just uh, shout out to Paul Horton and uh, Concurrence, his uh, group. They just put out a new EP, or I think yeah, it's an EP, uh, just a couple weeks ago. Please go check it out if you're listening. If you like music that's real and doesn't suck, then you should check out Paul Horton. He also plays with a um, a little group called. Uh, hashtag Alabama shakes um, but he does a lot of really cool adventurous weird stuff and it's definitely a sonic adventurer so Paul Horton please uh, check him out and so yeah first question is should he get into jujitsu Joe you should answer this one yes okay done he should get in touch with me and I'll put him in touch with my gym so Joe gets a uh, commission on. <laughs> no, I just, my gym's the best gym. <laughs> God. I won't say that. I won't say that. But I, 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 I have had a great experience there, and I'd be happy to, to introduce him to the people that I know. All right. So that's that's solid answer, quick and specific. So reach out to Joe, of course. Uh, the next is, what are your favorite spots to eat in town? So in Nashville, uh, let's just pick like uh, like a couple real quick. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, on the west side, favorite <laughs> spots is Miss Saigon. 
Oh yeah, it's great. And like I don't know, like, like 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 Little Asia over there, yeah. where all the restaurants and uh, mm-hmm. KNS or King Gong is over there. Yeah, the, uh, grocery store. Yeah, yeah. there's World a great a whole bunch of great like uh, Vietnamese food over there. Mm-hmm. The KNS World Market and yeah. Vin Pho Deli is yeah. across the street. Yep. Yeah, and the uh, uh, the really big interior self storage space. Mm-hmm. is there it's like i don't know maybe a quarter mile past jack in the box on the left if you're coming from yeah the east yeah they have amazing food yeah you're uh right. midtown slash gulch all that area uh again with more asian my friends that run otaku is in my opinion the best ramen mm. in town is otaku ramen in mm-hmm. the gulch uh sarah is the shit and she's on her, her her homework she's been to japan multiple times studying under chefs there and they're to, like if you don't like right. it we will otaku yeah well <laughs> and and other spots in town who i won't name on air won't like you won't let you take things home huh it's not traditional yeah to let yeah. you take it home but otaku if you don't finish your giant bowl of ramen they will allow you to have a takeout bowl which is fantastic which is only reasonable yeah and on the east side yeah like uh, shit that you bought you should own yeah Yeah. and on the east side two spots they're nothing special but i love drifters barbecue they have some of the best smoked wings in town that's in five spot yep or uh five yeah five 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 points points. and also in five points five points pizza is like you know yeah second to none Mm -hmm. pizza in the town that's true it's the closest to new york style of actual og regular yeah, ass that pizza that's good two boots it's just oh, too, like, it's just like too expensive boots. five points is too expensive it is but man it's good it's good i eat there like it once a month it just makes me fucking you know? crazy that like like the pizza that i could get a block away in new york city was the, it, better than five points pizza that five points is just really like a facsimile of and and the slices were a dollar it just makes yeah. me it makes me nuts that like you so go there and it's so in New York, though, brian it's no but it's just weird that like certain <laughs> things in new york are so cheap and then these facsimiles yeah, that are kind of right. vague facsimiles of these well, kind of new york staples are so insanely expensive that's nashville man yeah it is weird your kashu yeah. west coast ipa yeah, yeah exactly honky-tonk. exactly that's exactly. the perfect so Joe, what are your spots yeah, you're real quick right. you're right. for, uh, for paul and anybody else listening in Nashville? So what are the three things he wanted to know about well, oh yeah, yeah he, he should do jujitsu he should do jujitsu with legion and i'll be in touch with him about that places to eat um uh i i don't know what part of town he lives in but, but just north of briley in madison on the right nobody goes there there's a place no believe me they do there's a place called uh lindo mexico so if you look on your map it'll say lindo mexico and when you see the building it'll say uh um uh e it says like tacos e mariscos is what you'll see right so it's like tacos and seafood and you'll see a big uh, uh, like oil barrel smoking grill out front. You go there and you get a whole chicken with everything and you thank me later. Oh. What's the last question? Boom. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I didn't think about it being for him. I thought about like being like like what I like to eat in town. That's all the same. I won't go back, but yeah. But you I, tell him. To, I mean, he, you're he, telling him. I like this stuff. You'll like. If it. he if he lives here, he knows about fucking five points. That's I'm telling yeah, him. Yeah. I'm that's fine. That's yeah. fine. Just in case. And then uh, the, the last question was uh, that he asked was about a movie or a book he should check out. A movie or a book he should check out. He should check out a book uh, called. Um, oh shit. Hold on, I'm gonna have to tell you. Did you say a book or a movie? Uh, no, not yet. All right, hold on, say it. All right, well, I'm gonna go ahead and give all John my... D. and the Kingdom of the Angels. 
That's a book? <laughs> yeah, you should check out John D. and the Kingdom of the Angels. I'm going to double check that. Did John D. write that? Uh, no, it's a biography of John D. I have a bunch of John D. stuff for alchemy that I've studied in graduate school. That's right. Um, for second geometry <laughs> and stuff like that and symbolism. That's why I was like, John D., what the fuck? You know about some John D.? Uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what he should read, right? John D., I mean, he's fan. I mean, that's that heady. That's John D. and the Empire of Angels, Enochian Magic and the Occult. That's what Boom. you should read. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to get my places to eat real quick. Uh, places to eat. Uh, number one, I'm assuming you've been there, but if you haven't, you need to go to Rotiers and get a grilled cheeseburger on toast. And if you haven't done that with the chocolate mm, milkshake, so you just haven't lived. Uh, the next thing would be uh, kind of a lesser known badass, like some of the best food I've ever had actually is a Salvadoran place on Nolensville. Uh, it's at Nolensville and Timmins, which is just a couple blocks from the Thompson and Nolensville intersection. I can vouch for this restaurant. And it is a Salvadoran place called uh, Reina de la Bendicion. Uh, you can find it. Um, it's like this weird hole in the wall, blue painted place. Yeah. But anyway, here's what, you, but here's what you get. You get you get the whatever pupusa that you want to get. Get pupusas, and then also get the chicken torta, mm. and it will blow your fucking mind for almost zero dollars and, and you get like i got rice and you got those sauces that came out with everything yeah. and, you, and you get the uh the slaw yeah it's like free as well yeah it's like a spicy cabbage that yeah. place was super on point yeah i need to take are we there before we leave because yeah. it was just it's the bomb really on point yeah and i hate when people say things for the bomb so anyway uh and then uh, i'm trying to think book um or a movie book or a movie um if you haven't seen Jim Jarmusch's Ghost Dog, oh, that's awesome. Check it out. That's like one of the best <laughs> movies of all time. And has, also see Le Samurai, which is like uh, definitely prefigures Ghost Dog. Yes, if you have, <laughs> if you have seen Ghost Dog, um, check out uh, the Conversation uh, with Gene Hackman from like 1976 or whatever that is. Uh, really amazing film. Or dog day afternoon sydney lemay um all right and book? Then, did you get a book in attica uh, he, was, I, he was suggesting movies instead of books yeah <laughs> Not uh, both. uh if i was gonna say a book um uh a recent one that i really appreciate is uh it's called blood in the water and it is the comprehensive story of attica so check that shit out all right, and my books, one or the other, The Holographic Universe by Michael Talbot is about the holographic nature mm. of obviously the universe and holograms are mm. fractal in nature. Every bit of information is in every other bit of information that can shatter apart no matter what you have. You can shine light through it and understand everything. Very simple term. And secret life of plants talked about before mm -hmm. by peter Tompkins and christopher bird and it it uh really expels upon the consciousness of plants that, oh yeah that they understand things that you can talk to them they understand it just like brian's experiment they know when you come home yep and things like that and films uh i'll say one because no one's ever fucking seen it and it blows my mind they haven't but the fountain 
by, <laughs> by Darren Aronofsky. That movie's great. It's one of my favorite films ever. Yeah. It touches on everything that I, that I love. The ancient Mayans, conquistadors, uh, obviously uh, a doctor like my girlfriend and his wife is a writer about Mayans and I like to paint Mayan kind of shit. And then the future where he's just like yeah. floating through space in a bubble in a spaceship going to uh, the the end the ether yeah and he's like sort of tells the story on these three timelines at the same time right it's a really crazy film she she does oh yeah. she does okay it, it, it's like it's like her book okay yeah yeah, yeah. but All it's right. beautiful last call the you ready you ready here we go pay attention to this one And I'll go ahead and play the next one. <laughs> this one's called Ode to Lower Broadway. It's like a chicken in the straw there for a second. <laughs> so that's it. Those are all the... Uh, that was great. See, I, I love it. I want more people to take advantage of this call-in opportunity. Yeah, maybe we should uh, keep this one as like our sort of outro. That'd be great. Let's, 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 that's great. <laughs> that's a great outro. Uh, it, it rewinds really easily. So, um, all right. So we're going to use this as the outro. Uh, thanks for all the people that have been on our show this season. It's been really awesome. Happy and, season four, everybody. Yeah. And um, uh, we, we have just a matter of months to figure out how to uh, convince Chris to keep his place in Nashville or, or just not go anywhere. Um, but yeah, so your show again is when? May 15th. 15th. Yep. And the gallery is? Third Ethos in Brooklyn, New York. And then how do people find you on Instagram? Zydecahedron. Z-I-D-E-K-A-H-E-D-R-O-N. You got it, man. All right, you got gonna, it. I'm going to keep rewinding this uh, little voicemail. So, um, all right, uh, Joe, do you have any things going on that you'd like to share uh, with the group? Do I have anything going on? Um, I just, uh, just wrote a... <laughs> A uh, review of the Dorothea Lang show at the Frist Center that you can read in the Nashville scene. That show's going to be up for a while. It, it just opened, so check that out before you go. Um, I also, just the other week, I sent my um, my photograph off to Art Fields, which is in Lake City, South Carolina. So my photo, new and used glory, will be hanging in uh, Lake City at the Art Fields exhibition uh, starting April 26th. So look forward to that. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that uh, this is a very calming way to <laughs> yeah, exit the show for theta. people that have like... Theta state. It's listen, theta state. Yeah, it's totally... It's so theta, bro. It's just like, if you were just going to be full on, just full theta, it is, this is it's like... So full theta. This is oh where God. you should be, bro. Is so that news theta. theta males? <laughs> theta males. <laughs> That's, yeah, yeah. That's this. This podcast is for theta males. All right, so we'll actually do it legit. All right, so um, and theta babes. All right, so Chris, your show is May fifteenth. Joe, you've got like a hundred things going on. Great. Uh, 
We have some really awesome guests coming uh, for the next season. We've got a few lined up already that are going to change the the, the levels here. Like it's gonna be so so fun and 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 so great. Uh, so if anybody wants to support the podcast, um, just go to Anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast, and then you'll see a button that says support this podcast and then you can do it I'll, I'll send you a Jackie Chan book just tell me that you signed up and I'll send you a fucking Jackie Chan book god Ooh, damn it if you have like a, a a tiered system I can have prints available if you want wow you hear okay, that people? so we have a, we have a 99 cent level a 4.99 a month level and then I think a 9.99 a month level which I would never want anybody to fucking pay like, <laughs> like Netflix is like 12 bucks like I'm this is bullshit like we're not gonna be that but I really do think that people could give up 99 cents a month. So just consider it, you know, as you go about your... It's uh, less than a cup of coffee a month. Less than... And I'll send you a Jackie Chan book. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> it's, it's, it's like whatever ends up in your dryer every month. People don't all, use cash. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, but no, but seriously, thanks again to that's all of our we have guests. Chris, that's why we have Chris here, to keep us grounded. That's right. <laughs> People don't change. People got change in their pants, Brian. So, <laughs> thanks again, seriously, for all of all the the great guests that we had. Uh, please go check them all out. Thanks for all calling in. Go back and just look at our sort of list of shows. That this past season was really, really good, and we're just going to continue to grow the thing. Uh, and we couldn't do it without you guys. So, really appreciate it. Um, so, I guess we're out, and we'll come back for. Episode one of season five shortly. Oh, man. It's See always you. been an honor. I'm so happy that you've had me on so many times. I love hanging out with you guys. Yeah, I love y'all. Yeah, well it means we'll, a lot. We'll see how you feel like when you get off air here. We're gonna talk to you about this again. See you in season five, y'all. Chris is like, I love being on your podcast so much I'm moving to Richmond. <laughs> <laughs> this is so great. I can't wait to get the fuck out of the state. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks guys, appreciate it. And uh Everybody go to New York City or check out what's happening at the gallery for Chris's show May 15th. Later. Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast, click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast, and once you get there you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level, you're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone